This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to another show. It's uh, Chad and Adaptable Keynote in the house tonight. Um, I, I get a kick out of the, na- the names they give you every week. It, it's amazing. I, I think it's fascinating. I don't know how they come oh, up with them, but it's. I, cool. I came up with that myself. I thought Adaptable Keynote was, was an excellent <laughs> moniker. I, it's awesome. So, well, when I was when I was on the Zoom back. meeting with my firm the other week, because for some reason it went on on one of the kids' Zoom things, I was banana dude uh, for <laughs> for the entire meeting. And of course, I lacked I lacked the knowledge of how to change that, um, which I think is just a matter of now just hitting one of the buttons at the top and typing a new yeah. one in. Yeah. So yeah, they well, were all they were all amused by that. See, you lightened the mood and didn't even intend to. That's, That's right. great. Probably a heavy deposition, and now it's a little bit lighter. Anyway, so let's talk about the lightness. Where to begin, Chad? (laughs) I think we should begin in Seattle. I want to begin in Seattle. How about you? I agree. So if, again, you're in that, under that rock, in that hole. Wait, wait, don't say under that rock, because (laughs) the media is not reporting on this. Certainly Certainly not in any meaningful way, right? Not that I'm aware of. I haven't seen it any. Fr- and we say the mainstream media. <clears throat> I mean, basically anything that the average person would s- look for as a news source. Uh, you can call it mainstream media. You can call it right wing, left wing. Doesn't really matter. It's what you would if you picked up the newspaper. Would you see this? If you watched your nightly news, either local or national, would you see this story? And the answer is most likely no, um, because it's not being reported. Uh, just like. Most of the pro the protests are mostly peaceful. I thought about that today when, when somebody said that, and I said, "Well, it's kind of like being mostly pregnant, but not really pregnant. Either they're peaceful or they aren't. They can't be mostly peaceful when buildings are burning, cops are shot, and then you say, "Well, it's mostly peaceful." Those two words don't go together. Yeah, it's so, again, it is complete gaslighting. Yes, there, there yes. it is. It is absolute gaslighting, which is essentially to say, don't believe your eyes. What you're seeing is not actually happening. I'm on the ground for CNN. And even though there is a building burning behind me, I'm telling you that the protesters are a bit unruly. Yes. And mostly bit, peaceful. Yes. So um, let's go so to Seattle. Explain, and- Chad, explain to the people, because again, I actually had a conversation today um, with my doctor. I had to go to the doctor today and we were just right. chatting about, you know, stuff, sports, the Eagles coming As back. You do. And um, I asked him about, Hey, have you, have you been following what's going on in Seattle? He had no idea, no clue. Huh. Now, again, maybe this is a guy that doesn't really follow the news, but I think there are many, many people, including potentially many listeners here who maybe have heard about this vaguely, but have no real understanding of exactly what is unfolding, unfolding in a, in a, an American city right now. So please give them the primer on what is happening. So the primer is a group of individuals may or may not be Seattle residents. Don't really know. Uh, have taken over six blocks of downtown Seattle and called it an autonomous zone, free of police, government, and any sort of established U.S. presence 
the Seattle mayor has pulled back. The Washington state governor has told Donald Trump to go stick it where the sun doesn't shine. Basically, they say, we got it. You go hide in your bunker. Yet they don't got it. These people, this whether it's Antifa, or, I don't even know exactly if we know exactly who has done this. But whoever has done well, this, it is. It's, we do know. We we do know. In large part, it is a combination of Black Lives Matter activists and Antifa, Antifa terrorists. That is the appropriate term for domestic them. terrorists. Yes. Uh, and so the thing is, what you are describing, I, I need people to understand. A six-block section of an American city has been barricaded off. Is now being patrolled by. Men with weapons, AK-47s, they have declared themselves, in fact, there's a sign that says on the barricades, you're now leaving the USA. Yep. There are approximately a thousand residents, thousand American citizens who are within this perimeter. And they've already, they've already basically, uh, I'm not going to say elected because that doesn't happen, but there is a guy named Raz Simone, a local mm. rapper who has mm. essentially declared himself the warlord of the autonomous zone and mm. they are prepared. They had been, they had been exchanging gunfire with the, with the police. Although now all of the authorities at the behest of the spineless governor and, and mayor have essentially pulled back and decided, I don't know what they've decided, but essentially for the time being that these people get to hold an America, a portion of an American city hostage. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever think that you would see something like this in this country? Not since the firing on Fort Sumter. No, I, I, I honestly, this is secession by whatever name you want to call it. This has nothing to do with George Floyd. This has everything to do with trying to seize control and cause a revolution in this country. Now, I don't care how you want to phrase it. I don't care how you want to view it. You can say that George Floyd being killed was the worst thing you've ever seen happen. And it was awful but it wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened. You can say, this is, this is our right. And you know, the revolutionary war, we, we broke away from mother England. It was a little different, but you might be able to draw some conclusions there. This is an armed insurrection in an American city that is being hands off. We're dealing with it. We're dealing with it. Get out of our way. Right. They have ironically put up a border wall. The exact thing the Democrats said you should never do. They've done the exact thing that we're not supposed to do because it's sent yeah, the wrong me, message. Let me pose. Okay. Let me pose this, this hypothetical to you. Okay. I want you to imagine that in, let's say Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is being run by governor blackface, Mr. Northam, uh, in yeah. a, you know, in an infinitely progressive manner. And, and his most recent proclamation is that the statue of Robert E. Lee um, which is at the head of Monument Avenue, probably the most iconic figure uh, from the Civil War, other than perhaps Ulysses S. Grant, but it, mm -hmm. one of the leading figures of the Civil War and certainly of the of the nation's history is going mm -hmm. to be taken down because it's, of course, problematic. Uh, mm -hmm. So I want you to imagine that after that was announced, or perhaps let's say while it was occurring, uh, a combined group of white nationalists KKK members and all right militia, alt right militia, uh, took over a six block section of downtown Richmond, erected a wall, patrolled with 
AK-47s and essentially declared that they had seceded from the United States and would this would remain the indefinite status until their list of demands was met, which includes things like we want the Confederate flag flowing over the White House and all sorts of other stuff. What do you think the reaction of the mainstream media would be to that scenario? We both know it would be exactly opposite what it is right now. Well, not they, only would it would be exactly portrayed. opposite, there would yeah. be mass apoplexy oh, sure. to the point of, I guarantee, demands for the mm-hmm. bad orange man to call down the military on these racist, traitorist, secessionist, uh, which is what they would be insurgents, right? Yeah, it, it would be it would be the biggest outrage in history or in recent history. Recent, and yet yeah. this is exactly that scenario that I laid out is exactly what is going on in a major American city. And it is being met with a collective yawn at best or in certain quarters, almost kind of cheerleading. Yes. Like this is all part of the this is all part of the consciousness raising, all part of the peaceful protest. It's incredible. It is incredible. And I would contend that there's other cities in the US right now still suffering from mob rule that maybe haven't declared themselves an autonomous zone, but it's effectively the same situation. Minneapolis I mean, is no better. Yeah. Well, and by the way, if this is not quelled, this is going to be a model. We're going to yep. see more of this. And unfortunately, for instance, if it occurs in a place like Minneapolis, there mm-hmm. will be equally no resistance from the authorities uh, and the you know and the government officials in that state because they are in solidarity with this as well. Let me very quickly read. This is a report from someone on the ground about the list of demands by the uh, leadership of the autonomous zone. They want the total abolition of the Seattle Police Department. Mm-hmm. the retrial of all racial minorities serving prison time and the replacement of the police. I love this. I, I wonder how long they labored over this uh, title with autonomous, restorative, transformative accountability programs. Your guess is mm. as good as mine. What that involves, perhaps marijuana. I don't know. Um, <laughs> might be smarter than that. But interestingly and significantly, the activists have pledged to maintain control of the autonomous zone until their demands are met, setting the stage for a long-term occupation and establishment of a parallel political authority. This is not Gaza. This is Seattle. Yes. Gaza West. How do you, and, how do you and respond? I totally agree with Trump telling the mayor, not the mayor, the governor and the mayor of Washington State you better get it together or I am sending in the military. And that should happen tomorrow. Yes. Literally. We're, we're, there, is we a, are... there is an armed insurrection holding hostage, essentially, a section of an American city, threatening mm-hmm. violence, threatening insurrectionist activities, threatening a permanent occupation Mm-hmm. This is exactly what the Insurrection Act is designed to do. By the way, Chad, do you know the last time the Insurrection Act was invoked? Because we've heard all of these faint details. I do not. Spells. When was it? The Insurrection Act was in, invoked by Andrew Johnson, not Andrew Johnson, <laughs> President um, Johnson, after what event in the 60s? Uh, I'm going to guess. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Which one? 
Really LBJ invoked that after the assassination of Martin Luther King when there was mass rioting in Washington, D.C. And he okay. he basically sent, I think, amazingly, the total is somewhere around 8,000 Marines and members of the Army, I don't know, like the 3rd Regiment, to mm-hmm. barricade and defend the nation's capital, including setting up machine guns <laughs> along the perimeter Good. of the White House. So, so did he cower in the situation room or did he just direct from the situation room? Um, I don't know. And of course, I don't I don't know the total figures because there was unrest there for, I think, you know, several, several weeks. Um, yeah. I don't know the total figures, but there was never any major confrontation. One of the reasons is because uh, the Antifa guys get maybe a little bit less courageous when they're mm-hmm. actually staring at a U.S. Marine who is protecting lives and property as opposed to a progressive mayor or governor who say, listen, let's just give them some space to destroy and occupy for a certain amount of time. Um, so the claims, for instance, that, that Donald Trump uh, in suggesting this uh, is, again, evincing his tyrant-like qualities yeah. um, and that it would be an unprecedented destruction of dem- democracy, right? A police state is complete nonsense. And one of their, you know, one of their heroes on the left LBJ is the one that did this in the wake of MLK. Yeah. So I think the military needs to come in and show extreme force, get in, take it back. If the governor can't do it, mayor won't do it. Then this is what has to happen. Now on an aside, I want Donald Trump to fire his joint chief of staff. This spineless buffoon is apologizing for walking with the president in Lafayette Park two weeks ago. Now, you don't have to agree with him politically, but he said he shouldn't have walked with the president because it showed a support, a political support. He's the commander-in-chief. Yeah, that's that's called, again, see, the thing about all of this, this this sort of, um, this fawning virtue signaling, and again, I don't care whether this is his view. Yeah, I don't care what his view Okay, if this is the same thing we see over and over with all these people, with Sally Yates, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ignore the president's executive order, even though I'm the acting attorney general. Guess what? You have an option. If you are that offended, if your conscience is just so appalled by the man you're working for, you need to resign. Yep. Is, if you're going to keep your position as a member of the Joint Chiefs, then in public, it is your role to say, either nothing, right? Mm-hmm. If you can say nothing good, you say role. nothing, or you support the president. Now, people are going to say, what are you talking about? Like, it sounds like you're you're saying all these people should be lackeys. No, nope. they, they should be presenting the president with their own views, whatever they may be. But if you're going to go out in public- When and asked. Under, what? When asked. When, he doesn't ask for your asked, Don't share it. Part of your job me. when you're going out in public is, particularly when you're making a statement like that, is you are going to support- the commander in chief. Can you imagine anything like that happening during the Obama administration? No, no. it's impossible no. to conceive. And again, if you're supposedly a person of principle, and this is so outrageous, the decisions being made by the emperor are mm-hmm. so terrible, then the the courageous thing to do, the 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 thing that someone with integrity would do is say, I am resigning from this position. That's it. And none of them seem willing to do that because they would rather grandstand Go and on. receive blue check marks on Twitter. I don't want my joint chief of staff to be a, a bootlicking uh, social justice warrior. 
because that if you're a social justice warrior, you're obviously the wrong demeanor to be in the military because you think I just got to kowtow to whatever the wind is blowing. I don't want that person making military, giving military advice. I well, don't I, want I, that person. I, I, I don't know that, this gentleman but, at all. But my point would be, and I agree with you, that, that that is not the philosophy with which I believe our military should be directed. However, my point would be, if you happen to be a social justice warrior, or even somebody who has a reasonable difference of opinion with the president on, on an issue, that is not part of your job description to publicly undermine the president. No. Okay, again, no. that is the craven thing to do. That is the self-promoting that is the virtue signaling thing to do. But what you should be doing, if you feel that strongly, is leaving that position. And then you're free to demonize Donald Trump and to side with all of the people that think he's the worst ever um, to your heart's content, but not when you are in that role. No. And and that thing, that's where I have a problem. Just, just get out. If this isn't, if you're not comfortable supporting this, then you should not be in this role. And to be clear, you made, you made this point. I'm talking about public statements in sure. private. When he's asking for the unvarnished advice, go full yep. bore and tell him, tell him that Give he's it. awful and that this is the most terrible judgment and whatever else. In fact, a president should welcome that. Um, yes. The thing that, that the diversifiles say they champion but do not, which is diversity of opinion. That should be welcomed yeah. by any leader among should the be. people that, that work for him. Yeah. I, and I don't – he can have a difference of opinion, but I agree with you. Don't share it. It's not a public airing of your difference of opinion. You're, you're not a political opponent. You are the Joint Chief of Staff. You are in the military, and your commander-in-chief is there. You can say he's a political uh, elected official, but you're still the Joint Chief of Staff, and he is the commander-in-chief, period. End of story. He's your boss. I don't care how he got there. He's your boss. Get over it or get out, period. And, yeah. and I, I get tired of all that. I get tired of the hypocrisy that I just see screaming from these people, whether it's how, how does a politician who said shelter in place, huddle in fear in your house, except now I'm going to lead a, I'm going to lead a parade of, of, of protest. Well, de Blasio. we talked about this last week. Northam, it's Wolf. not just, it's bad enough that it's the politicians. But we now yeah. have so-called public health experts, uh -huh. right? Professionals, yeah. medical experts telling people, again, oh, yeah, about that deadly pandemic that we said, if you go out, you're reckless and you're putting lives at risk. Never mind, because we agree with this particular political activism. And so, you know, that has to trump concerns over people dying. So again, yeah. I said last week, that is among the things that have made me the angriest about this circus. Don't then expect people later on to pay a single speck of attention to give any respect whatsoever to your next supposedly sciency pronouncement about what they should do, because you have unveiled yourself as not only a hypocrite, but someone who does not even have the integrity to neutrally and empirically advise people about what is an incredibly serious matter because everything apparently is, is trumped ironically, if you use that expression yeah. by your <laughs> political preferences. Let me ask you this, Chad, do you think mm -hmm. those same public health officials would have said, you know what, all of those second amendment activists who are now protesting because <laughs> of their right to bear arms, 
even though the coronavirus is important, the right to peaceably assemble and protest is more important. Do you think that they would have had the same nope. position? They did not. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up because our mutual adversary, I'm going to call him an adversary. Our mutual adversary was talking about his friends and neighbors protesting in the state capitol. They weren't practicing social distancing. They didn't all have masks on. Yet day in and day out since George Floyd is, was murdered, he can't get out of his way enough to talk about all the protests and how we need to listen and how we need to respect this. And they're doing a good thing. Uh, you can't have it both ways. Either, either what you told me all this for the last couple of months is total crap or what you're telling me now is total crap because you can't say it was bad because it was something I didn't agree with. And ironically, NPR is telling you how the protests are good and Trump going out on campaign is bad. You right. shouldn't go to big meetings where Trump's at, but you go to big meetings and it, your, your social obligation to go protest. Right. We flip back. I mean, the, that's I mean, the amazing brazenness of this is we have now flipped back to campaigning is bad, right? Yeah. Um, lockdown protesters, bad. Very, very bad. Reckless, selfish, suicidal. Uh, I think yep. in the Atlantic they were called some kind of like death cult, right? Oh, yes. um, George Floyd protesters, good, very good, no problem. Sure, it might be a risk. And now again, so even after they've done that swivel, which should cause them to hunker down in shame for the rest of their career, now that Donald Trump, because we are in the middle of a presidential campaign, has said, oh, I'm going to start ramping up to, you know, to go out. Oh, no, no. Bad again. Very bad. Risking people's lives, blood on your hands, etc. They either think that people are incredibly stupid, uh, which they do in many cases, uh, or they are to the point, and I think this is largely true, where they know that there are absolutely no ramifications for any level of double standards, hypocrisy, and brazen lying, and they are simply full-on resistance, and they don't care how ridiculous their claims are because tomorrow it's all down the memory hole and we adopt whatever new position we want to that fosters our agenda. It's incredible to watch. I want to read a quote from Eric Metaxas, who our mutual person we know um, vilifies. And I want to read this quote, and I want to read what he wrote about it because I think I'm not seeing what he's writing about. So it says, murder has always been illegal in America. This is Metaxas. What's new is the demonization of all cops because of the vile crimes of men like Chauvin. Chauvin. It's precisely like when Americans spat on returning Vietnam vets and called them baby killers. It was deeply shameful, all caps, and wrong then, and this is deeply shameful and wrong now. So let's have the courage this time to denounce it while it's happening now and not two decades later. Now, the response from this writer is, the facts are not the issue. Okay. That's the a bad, that's a bad start. That's a bad start. Correct. The, the issue is Metaxas's defensiveness and his unwillingness to use his platform to address larger issues of systemic and institutional racism in our society. This is a fellow evangelical calling out Eric Metaxas for not using his platform to address systemic and institutional racism in our society. I'm going to guess Eric Metaxas, much like myself, doesn't believe there is systemic racism and institutional racism in this country. I think there is racism. I think it is practiced by individuals. I do not believe it's systemic or institutional in 2020. Well, but and again, we, can, because you don't we can have out. a debate about that. I mean, first of all, those terms are so malleable that sure. it's, it's, it's very unclear what 
people actually mean. And of course, it always turns out that those definitions constantly expand. But you know what? I would be far more receptive to that argument, at least as a reasonable position. In other words, okay, you in good faith think a fellow evangelical um, has blinders on and is narrowly focused on one set of issues when another set of issues deserve equal um, equal discussion, equal consciousness raising, equal calls for justice, right? That's a right. now I don't I don't agree as as you do not agree with this whole notion of systemic racism, particularly as it is presently explained. But nevertheless, that is a defensible position. However, what I find fascinating is the deafening silence from this individual on, for instance, I might make the claim, I would be so more compelled by claims about character and calling, you know, uh, truth to power. If there had been a single sentence written about, for instance, as Metaxas alludes to, I'm really, really angry, righteously angry as a Christian by the attacks on police officers, the poisonous rhetoric directed to police officers, not just the bad police officers, all police officers. And in fact, I am both heartbroken and outraged by the rioting, the burning, the looting, the murder, the assault, the general nihilism that has been unleashed, which by the way, is most damaging, most injurious to the very people that I daily proclaim are the ones that we must care the most about. And yet I have not read a single sentence with any sentiment like that. It's all whitewashed. It's just not to be discussed. So I really don't, I really don't need to hear lectures from someone like that. Why? They're, they're your betters. They know better. You should just listen to them. Just admit that. Be very clear. Right. And and here's another thing, Chad, just when we were on, on sort of talking about Seattle, again, if people don't appreciate how crazy it is getting out there, and some of this is sort of into farce, but nevertheless, it's happening. Just a, a snippet of things going on. Uh, you know, the there's a children's cartoon called Paw Patrol. Yes. Have you heard about this? Right. Yes. And it basically, I remember it vaguely when our kids used to watch it, but it's basically pets dressed up as police. Well, Paw Patrol, well, of course, yeah. Paw Patrol. A, a program for five and six year olds is problematic because of course it is casting the police, uh, the, the doggy police apparently in far too positive a light. Another example, Lego, right? Did you see that Lego has now discontinued all yep. of its sets, which are police related police departments and the white house. Yes. Um, and again, then you're going to you're going to tell me that this is only about bad cops. Hmm. You think a sane position for a company that valued profitability and also not alienating half of its customer base would be we're going to continue to make all of the toys that we normally make. And you, the consumer, can choose whether to buy them or not. And you know what? If you're so obsessed with police and social justice that you feel that even a Lego set of a police department is somehow offensive, you're free not to buy that product. But the idea yep. that a company is going to affirmatively decide to discontinue it, um, again, it, it, it is demonstrating how far into cray-cray land we have gone. Another example, I forget the name of the manufacturer. It's a major bike manufacturer. No longer will make police bikes. <laughs> I mean, oh, gone with the wind. 
HBO yeah, has yanked Gone with the Wind from its Cops streaming service. Cops has been canceled. Now, again, yeah. you might sort of chuckle at these if they're kind of these unrelated one-off anecdotes, but this is going on everywhere. We haven't even talked about in the last two days all the people who have been fired as the mob came for them. Not yeah. just the, the new standard is not just that you've said something problematic. It's that the literally the things that you have said in support of our movement are not supportive enough yes. and you must go. You must claim against racism. You have to bow down and say, you're sorry for being something. I want to talk about the, the gentleman in Buffalo that, uh, fell to the ground and, and, uh, was injured. This is the 75 uh, year old guy who Trump yes. tweeted Martin, about. I, I'll be honest. I haven't followed this closely other than the general, well, the gist of it was that Trump called this guy an Antifa member or something in the media. Well, I'll read that. It's a lie. Yeah. So, so the, in Buffalo, there was a curfew. The police were told to enforce the curfew. You stand in line arm in arm and you walk until you clear the area. That, that's what you do because that's how it works. So Trump called this gentleman. He said, Buffalo protesters shoved by police could be an Antifa provocateur. 75-year-old Martin Eugenio was pushed away, and after appearing to scan police communications in order to block out the equipment, I watched. He fell harder than he was pushed. Was aiming scanner could be a setup. Now, there's there's stop-motion video of this. It looks like he's holding up his phone. I don't know if he was or wasn't trying to get signals or stop signals. But here's how he was portrayed uh, at Religion News Services, as reported by our friend. Friends of a retired computer scientist described him as a devout Catholic and a graduate of Canisius High School, a private Jesuit school in Buffalo, who is a passionate advocate for multiple causes on behalf of the poor and disenfranchised. He spends retirement lending a hand to multiple causes, cause among them Black Lives Matter. His friends say he has a passion for social justice. He runs um, a worker's house in New Haven, Connecticut. His friend and has known him, this gentleman for years. When he was wrong, he wants to be involved by making it right. Okay, that's how he's been portrayed. Cared for his ailing mother, lost his sister. Okay, here's what he wrote on Twitter three days before this happened. We know the policy is pretty much at least three months worth. Now it's to the barricades. I mean to the streets. Forget the barricades part. F the police. F the police. The cops should not have clubs and should not be in riot here. The National Guard should arrest the police. Somebody lost an eye, an eye for an eye, people. This is the peaceful protester who was going around telling people <clears throat> to fight and arrest and F the police. Totally different portrayal, isn't it? But it's the same person. So you can say maybe in his off time, he was trying to help people, but I don't know that his methods would be perceived by the average person as helpful so much as provocative. And he stood in this line knowing he should back up, and he did not back up. So he was resisting, and whether he was scanning their radios or not, I have no idea. But it does beg the question, one side portrays him as this harmless, innocent guy who just got in the way, and they, they pushed him to the ground. The other guy is pretty much trying to go out there to pick a fight. Well, Which do you believe? This is, does um, it matter? This is the same thing that goes on every day, right? Because Antifa, yeah. Antifa is an organization that battles fascism, right? I mean, that's how that's the media exactly. describes them. Right? <laughs> oh, well, that's what they call themselves. 
Well, wait, sure. do, you, do you, um, do you actually have the video here of them wielding baseball bats and Molotov cocktails and assaulting mm-hmm. innocent pedestrians and destroying property? Sure. Do, does that seem to you to comport with the behavior of someone who is again, what was it you said? Anti-fascism? Huh? Yeah. Um, sounds awful like fascism, at least on the ground. Yeah. What did, um, what did Hitler call? What was the Nazi party? <laughs> what was their, what was their actual? Uh, yeah, they were, title? um. Socialists. The Democratic, they were Democratic Socialists. Think that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, you have to the, tell yourself you're Democratic or not. <laughs> the, the, the idea that somehow, well, we just take at face value the labeling and they're good. I mean, uh-huh. Chris Cuomo, okay, um, again, <laughs> you know, consider the source. He has, he has um, posted a meme in the past where he's showing a picture of the American troops landing on the beaches of Normandy. And basically the meme is there. You, these guys were anti-fascists too. <laughs> as if, as if there's yeah. literally a, a drawing an equivalence between street thugs and criminals and the U S Marines, uh, who were fighting Nazism. They're they're Chad, they're basically the same, right? I can see no difference between them. It seems very clear to me that they're exactly the same. And I don't know why you can't see that Tony. You're just being stubborn at this point. Well, here's my question for you. Um, yes. Do you think, so we, we have a number of proposals from all of these enraged progressives. Uh, that, proposals, that's a nice way to put it. Right, right the demands, <laughs> um, edicts, manifestos that they want the police to be either defunded or outright abolished. In fact, the mm-hmm. Minneapolis city council has gone on record uh, as basically saying we want them abolished. We want the police to be gone. And I don't know in, in their place are going to be therapy puppies and I don't know, psychiatric counselors yes, and yes. Elizabeth Warren. I, I'm not sure, but they'll figure it out. And in fact, in, in sort of um, it's not stunning in a very revealing comment. And this was actually asked on CNN, the woman who's the head of the, Minneapolis city council or whatever they're called was asked by Allison Camerata, who by the way is no friend to anyone on CNN, no friend to conservatism or even general sensibility asked her a a very sensible question, which was, well, if the police are gone and someone breaks into my house with the intent to do me harm, um, what, what am I supposed to do? And the, the response, which is just classic, was, well, essentially, that the fact that you're even thinking about that is evidence of your white privilege. Um, and so that, that whole concern comes from a place of white privilege. Not only is it nonsensical, what again is revealed by all of this is, let's shift it not to Allison Camerata's cushy mansion, wherever she resides. What <laughs> are the oppressed and marginalized Latinos and African-Americans who, again, these people claim to be their champions. What are they going to do when the drug dealers and the gangbangers and the general predators in their crime infested neighborhoods now have free reign? Is that also a question embedded with white privilege? I mean, that's the amazing thing is that these people cannot even think through the logical consequences of what they are advocating, which is they will be insulated from the policies that they recommend. But the people that they supposedly are so aggrieved over, who they want justice for, every single thing they're proposing will make their lives 
far worse, far more dangerous. And yet they don't seem to grasp this or care about this one iota. Well, that's because what they're asking for isn't real. Minneapolis this, City is Council, all, this is all a form of performance art in some ways. Minneapolis City Council can't even legally abolish the police. It's in their city charter that they have to have a police force. So they can pontificate. They can throw up their hands. Keith Ellison's son can come out and say, we're going to get rid of the police. Your city charter doesn't allow it. So if you get rid of the police, you don't actually believe in law and order because or, or the rule of law because your laws say you can't. Well, so if you do, that means you don't care what the laws and are. So, so I guess I guess in some respects, the fact that there are guardrails uh, that would prevent that is reassuring. On the other hand, though, Chad, not really what we have to yeah. deal with is that the reality is that if, if these people could have their way, mm-hmm. these are proposals that they would adopt. And yes. this represents this is not the fringe. This represents a critical mass of the people that are at the leadership heights of one of the two political parties in this country. This is not somebody ranting on Democratic underground in a thread. (laughs) These are people that are running for office, who are in the Senate, who potentially are running for president. Although I do see, I guess I'll give him some credit, that Joe Biden, although let's wait for the the whiplash reversal, has said he does not not favor abolishing the police, which is- But it took him 10 days to say that. Right. Well, again, he, I mean, I don't know whether he was coherent for the last nine days. They had to get him up and about. Um, But again, that is a statement which, in the current lunacy that pervades the Democratic Party, takes some level of courage to utter the fact that, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to abolish the police. That is is the state in which we find ourselves uh, in terms of where the Democratic Party is. The advocates, and I think he might be the only one publicly saying not to do this. It's pure suicide. It, it, it's the it's the single dumbest thing that these people could say. And I I lump them together because if they truly believe that a, that abolishing police forces across the country is somehow going to lead to utopia, then their brains are mush, and they shouldn't be allowed to make any decisions for the rest of us because they are is the dumbest thing they can come up with. It, it is not, it's nonsensical to believe that if you take away police, that somehow the bad guys who will still exist and are holding six blocks in Seattle are suddenly going to say, Oh, you know what? There's no cops. Now I don't need to rob anybody. I don't need to steal. I don't need to do these things. Or what, what is going through your head? Because a bad cop and maybe three other cops who were staying around watching, did a very bad thing. Does that somehow mean that the millions of police around the country are also the same person? Yes. Yes, because it does. Chad. Over and not, over again. Have you not internalized this? That well, I, I, you I have not, not accepted my again. Here. I, I really hope that you are deplatformed and hounded from your job for saying that. Um, I hope you are wrong, but sure. Well, <laughs> listen, when you say it's, it's dumb, we also have, we also have real world evidence of this. It's called, the, it's called the Ferguson effect. Yes. Okay. And and this is again, this is not a hard concept. If your platform is to demonize police, to try to defund police, what you get are less police, uh, not only because of lack of funding, but also because guess what? Good police want nothing to do with it. What person would want the, it's already an incredibly dangerous and thankless job. And now, now on top of risking your life, and make no mistake, uh, this isn't Mayberry. 
the guys that are doing policing in Oakland and East LA and Detroit and New York and Chicago and Philadelphia in certain areas, this is, uh, this is not them patrolling, uh, the, the picnic area. Okay. These guys every day put their lives on the line. There is crime and homicide rampant in these places. So if you want to assure that not only there's not going to be as many good police because they're going to leave and also that the ones that do sign up are not going to be nearly as qualified, nearly as competent because you're going to get the bottom of the barrel, right? Mm -hmm. Who's going to sign up for these jobs? Oh, and in fact, maybe the guys that just want to throw a nightstick around, right? The the irony is the very type of personalities that are going to be more likely to try to join the police force are not going to be ones that are um, respectful, who are measured, who are, are trained, right? You're going to get more and more types of the very kind that are causing these riots. So we saw this. We saw this in St. Louis. And what happened in Baltimore after Freddie mm-hmm. Gray? When again, mm-hmm. what was portrayed as a racial incident, despite the fact that the police were all minorities and all mm-hmm. of the cases were dismissed, there was ongoing rioting. And then the Obama DOJ basically took over, right? They took over, federalized the police force. And in the last three years, the murder rate, the murder statistics for African-Americans in that city have skyrocketed to the tune of an additional 600 dead African-Americans. So Everything that you, these people are advocating guarantees more dead minorities. And why didn't we care about them? Ironically, it George Floyd. Now, I don't know if we said this last week. George Floyd should not have been neck stepped on. He should not have been uh, treated the way he was. But George Floyd was not a, a saint by any stretch of the imagination. So the fact that we're a public funeral for this guy and and treating him as though he was the second coming of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It, it couldn't be further from the truth. So we're we're lifting up this guy who was not a by all counts a great guy. Even though you'll hear people say he was a great guy, he did a lot of things that didn't portray him as a great guy. He did not deserve to die the way he died. He did not deserve that in any way, shape, well, or form. Yeah, and I don't I don't think it's helpful. The reason we we touched on this a little bit. It has nothing to do with the police conduct. I don't care whether George, George Floyd was a serial, a serial killer. Right. In that moment, what the police did was an atrocity. And again, they're yes. going to be prosecuted. We talked about the fact that they're now being over-prosecuted in terms of the decision Keith Ellison made to charge this as an intentional murder. And what that's going to do when they're not convicted, uh, because I don't think the evidence is there, it's going to guarantee more rioting. But to your point, to your point, um, do you know that on May 31st in the city of Chicago, uh, they had the deadliest day in the last 60 years in that city. There were 18 people. And by the way, every single one of them was an African-American who were yep. murdered in 24 hours on the streets of Chicago. Now, my question, Chad, that's is, my point. That's my point right there. Have you, Why? Have you heard, other than routine no. AP reports, have you heard no. a single thing? Could you name a single one of those people? And I doubt anybody outside Chicago could, unless they had, there was a family member. That's my point. George Floyd is lifted up as this martyr, for lack of a better term. And there are black men being killed all over the country on a daily basis 
by each other in many cases. We don't hear anything about that. But you just said you what just, so you just said why. You just said why we don't hear about it. Yeah. Why is it that we don't hear about it? Other black men killing them. Because exactly. it doesn't it doesn't facilitate the narrative. And and again, see, that's what Black Lives Matter should be talking about. Well, and here's if one of the truly cared about black lives. Here's one of the things that I really. typically hear in response to this, which is the fact that this is going on does not mean we can't also talk about bad cops. And my response to that is absolutely true. But here's the problem. You're not talking about, you're talking only about bad cops. And in fact, yes. the way that you're talking about bad cops is objectively false. We went into this last week and have previously, there is no statistical evidence that there is an epidemic of racially disproportionate murder of African-Americans by white police. That is, that is a flat out lie. It has become received wisdom and people simply don't want to hear that uh, because they prefer to, you know, have their prejudices about this, but it is false. And so again, to someone like Al Sharpton and all of the other people that are, have been for days trumpeting this, you know, this is a global, we, I just saw the people of Ghana, stand with George Floyd. I think they have enough problems in Ghana without worrying about this. But nevertheless, the question remains, why is it more important that a rogue policeman horribly killed an African-American man, who, by the way, is now being prosecuted, right? He is he is receiving this. Why is that be. more important? Why is that a national crisis when at exactly the same time, you have an orgy of black-on-black -black murder, which has been going on in America's cities for decades. Why is that not the black lives that are more concerning? I have yet Why? to hear anyone provide a coherent explanation for why one of those things is the only thing we hear about. And those other things are simply ignored. We're told to look away from that because it's somehow racist. Well, I don't think it fits the agenda for defunding the police or uh, whatever other kooky things the progressive side's trying to push through. I, I, I'm not a big protest guy. I'm going to be very clear on that for anything or against anything. I'm, I don't. You weren't out there for I the nuclear freeze, Chad? No, nuclear freeze. I don't believe in abortion, but I wasn't going to pick it an abortion clinic. My belief. And this is my belief. This is not Tony's. This is not anybody else that might listen to this or, or I know. I don't personally believe that picketing or protesting changes anybody's opinion. I'm not saying it can't. I just don't think on mass you really change anybody's opinion. You're out there demonstrating your belief, but I don't know that you're changing anybody else's belief. So if you're going to do it peacefully and you're going to hold up signs, you're going to get your permits. That's fine. When you go into mob violence and start destroying everything around you because you claim to be enraged as you're grabbing big screen TVs and, and Gucci watches, and I, I, I lose any sympathy whatsoever for your plight. But that all being said, if Black Lives Matter was out there saying, we demand change in, our, in Chicago such that black on black crime isn't happening that are there are young men aren't being systematically destroyed in our communities because we either don't have educational opportunities or we don't have more police or we don't have whatever it is you think you need or will help you 
not have that violence. I I could be supportive of that. I still wouldn't protest. I still wouldn't walk in a march. But I can at least understand you're trying to better the community. I don't believe burning down society is bettering community. I'm not a. No. Uh, I, I I don't know, and I don't understand to. I don't understand how that works. Uh, anarchists don't work for me. Um, and I think that's where I, I, I lose complete uh, credibility with these people when they say I'm here to help you as I'm burning down the minority owned business that's somehow not helping them. So I'm not really sure what twisted logic you use to think that's helping them. I think there should be programs in place to help again using Chicago those there there should not be you shouldn't be afraid to walk out of your house i don't care what color your skin is you shouldn't be afraid to walk out of your house at night and for fear that you're going to get caught in something or be the perpetrator of something because that's the street you live on i don't think that's how people should have to live i think that's horrible and i don't think anybody should accept that including whatever color your skin is you well, should not accept that the ever. other the other point i think we made this last week but it's another one of these unanswerable and unanswered questions again one that you're not allowed to ask which is if your claim is that there are structural and systemic racism that is causing the deaths of countless black men and, and that uh, policing policies are racist and that sentencing the entire criminal justice system, the way it works is racist. How do you explain the fact that the areas where this has been going on, again, all of these major cities have been controlled for decades by people who are 100% progressive and who buy into every single one of those claims? Why? Why are those areas of the country not mini utopias or at a minimum far better, far more socially just instead of the worst places for criminality in the entire country? Can you explain that, Chad? You can't. You, it's not possible. And I, I bristle every time somebody says, well, if we just do this, it'll be utopia. If we just enact this program, all our problems will be solved. That's never going to happen. I don't care what program it is. I don't care how well-intentioned you are. We are failed, flawed, sinful human beings, and we will always, as a people, find a way to do the wrong thing when we shouldn't. Right. That's, but in other, words, in other words, all of the people that we are told are the racists uh -huh. are, have, no, have been nowhere in sight no. for 40, 50, 60 years in any of these places. And so if you're going to claim that we have made no progress whatsoever on systemic racism. Are you not indicting the very people that have been in charge all of that time? How, how is it possible that they would evade responsibility for allowing what is claimed to be horrifically racist structural policies that deprive African-Americans of life and liberty, that, that kill black and brown bodies. How is it that we are not then talking about every single one of the people that have been positions of authority in those places all of this time? We're just, apparently, they don't, they don't count. I, I go back to the quote, and uh, pardon me for not knowing who this is from, but the greatest lie the devil, devil ever told was convincing people he didn't exist. 
Because if he doesn't exist, there's no consequence. Do what you want, whatever feels good, whatever makes you happy, do it regardless of how anybody else feels about it because it makes you happy. Do whatever you want and you're fine. And as long as that's your truth, speaking truth to power, whatever right phrase you want to throw out there, it, it forgets the fact that your actions and your words have consequences for other people as well. Uh, what we say on here may have consequences for us, may have consequences for others. But I think the reality is we, we expect that I'm supposed to be able to do whatever I want up until the point where somebody else doesn't like it. Then they, they're able to tell me because they shout louder. You shouldn't be able to say that. You shouldn't be able to have that opinion. We, we love to say we have the First Amendment right to speak. But people always forget, and I've said this before, they forget that there's no First Amendment right for me to listen to you. I don't have to listen to you just because you're speaking. So we seem, seem to think they go hand in hand and they do not. So you have an opportunity to have your platform, say what you want. That doesn't mean anybody has to care. Doesn't mean you have to listen. And that gets people angry because nobody's listening to me. Well, because what you're saying either doesn't make sense, doesn't resonate, doesn't, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Um, we get too tired of that. Do you, uh, I wanted to talk briefly about, uh, the latest episode in the, um, I don't know, the devolving farce that has become the New York times, which it has been for quite, quite a while, <laughs> but are you familiar with what went on with Tom Cotton's editorial? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who, who haven't heard this and why would you, because, um, you know, <laughs> focusing on the things that are going on at the New York Times is really not one of the key issues in most people's lives. But this is the kind of stuff that, you know, I, I, it interests me. And again, it is a um, it is emblematic of the moment that we are in. So Tom Cotton, who is a United States senator, very conservative guy. He's a Harvard trained lawyer. He served two terms in Iraq. Is a very articulate, very smart, very well-spoken guy, certainly who holds political positions that are, let's just say, not pleasing to the readership and the employees of the New York Times. But nevertheless, he was uh, he submitted an editorial, which was accepted and printed, in which he argued during the height of the riots that President Trump should invoke the Insurre Insurrection Act, we just talked about this, and use the military to quell the rioting and the destruction. Okay. Now, um, that, by the way, in polling is a majority position of most people in this country. Uh, and so it is, it's, an, it's a reasonable position, well within the range of acceptable discourse, uh, certainly for someone who is a conservative. And so it was, it was printed in editorial. Well, this could not stand. So there was an internal uprising. And what's interesting about this is that these were all of the reporters at the Times who are in the news division. Okay. So, so they basically said this editorial should not have been printed, cannot be printed. It is literally violence against us. Our minds, our, our bodies are unsafe by even hearing the crime think, and we want it denounced and never again to happen. And in true, uh, cowardly fashion, which we become accustomed to, the New York Times completely capitulated. So they gave, they gave the mob, right? The, um, the uh, cultural revolution took another scalp. And so they issued this mealy mouthed explanation in which they claimed that the editorial was not properly fact-checked, number one. Now, interestingly, Tom Cotton then demonstrated that this editorial had gone through days 
of scrutiny and rewrite and editing and checking. And of course, they never cited to what facts were were not accurate because there were none. Sure. And then also that the you know the process or the the content was not upped to the Times lofty standards. Again, this is this is a the newspaper that has willingly published editorials from a member of the Taliban, from people who promote Hamas, from people apologizing for Jeffrey Epstein. This is the paper who recently published an editorial that said, um, "Hey, you know, communism is bad, but sex was at least better." Uh, I mean, the, these sorts of things. So it, the standard, the bar for the standards is already subterranean. Okay, but but of course this. This thought that caused members of the news division to break out in hives and cower in their home um, could not be permitted. And then now the editor of the editorial page has, quote unquote, resigned because, oh, and he issued a, a, a completely self-flagellating Soviet style mea culpa because, again, he has offended the gatekeepers of uh, the hive mind and he deserves his punishment. I'm surprised he didn't ask to be flogged. So if you think if you think that this is just sort of an esoteric discussion of what's going on in you know the higher levels of the fever swamps and academia, these people are now out and about. They are firmly entrenched in our culture. And this is a major problem. This is I, I equate them and others have said this to sort of the red guards, right? Yeah, if you dare to utter opinions, uh, that they do not approve of, they will not disagree with you. Uh, they will not even attempt to make an argument. They will attempt to destroy you. They will seek your firing. They will seek your dismissal from where you work. Uh, they will attack you. They will dox you. This is the mindset that is now justified among a large percentage of our political culture, certainly on the left. And, and it should trouble anyone who cares about free speech and liberal democracy. Uh, just for reference, the Red Guard was the... Uh... Maoist young revolution in uh, China. So it's, it's kind of serious in that respect. Uh, didn't this editor say he didn't, one of the people said they hadn't read the editorial before it was published. That was uh, one of the failings. They didn't yeah, read well, it. Of course. And that, that was demonstrated as completely untrue, but they, they, were, they were scrabbling for any rationale that they could come up with. And so, yeah. so you now have a newspaper who has basically said, and they were already trending in this direction um, that we give, thought control over any opinion content to the hecklers vetoers uh the screaming right the screaming mini maoists in our newsroom who just simply cannot tolerate any opinion which does not align with their own and this is supposedly the leading newspaper in our country well it it just begs the question why the old the old adage history is written by the victors um I think there's a caveat to that history can be made by those who have the most uh, voice, whether or not they're right or not, they, they get to speak loudest. So I, I titled this whole evening as a country divided. Um, and, and I, I do believe we are very divided. I don't know if we're more divided than we've ever been going back to the civil war being probably quite divided. We've been pretty point. divided before. Yeah, we have been pretty divided at different times. When it comes down to hundreds of thousands of dead in a in a four year war, yeah. that's a pretty uh, divided fathers uh, and brothers. Yeah. That's pretty divided. Yeah, so I'm not comparing this to that, but I I think politically we have been divided since November of 2016. Uh, I think we continue to be divided. 
I don't know that I say Donald Trump is 100% responsible for some of that. I think some of his tweets, as we've spoken many, many times, can be viewed as divisive. But I don't think the other side has done anything to help themselves for unity. I don't care what Barack Obama claims. He was as divisive in a different way as Trump has been in every tweet. Yeah, he well, well, Trump and his adversaries are, are both just pouring lighter fluid on the conflagration. Right. Donald Trump doesn't help at all. Um, right. But if you were to tell me that from day one, Donald Trump would behave in an exquisitely statesmanlike manner, will never have tweeted, uh, will you know, will be will be Churchillian in his public addresses. <laughs> Although Churchillian is apparently problematic as well. So, but nevertheless, if you would tell me that he would have conducted himself in that fashion from day one, the hysteria would not have gone away. So no. he is he is a part of the problem, and we can argue how large of a part. I mean, there's a lot of people that think he's a huge part. He's a he's a major contributor, but sure. the people that are ratcheting uh, this kind of rhetoric uh, are typically on the progressive side of the equation right now. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not giving anybody a free pass on that. I, I do believe that there's a lot of blame to go around as far as the division of the country. I, I just don't know. I don't know where we are. I, I don't want to call it a perfect storm. Cause I don't think it's a perfect storm, but the divisiveness of the country, the impeachment, COVID-19, Freddie, uh, George Floyd, um, Gonna say Freddie Gray, George Floyd killing, the riots. It, it's it feels like 1968 a little bit to me. I think we're I think we're getting very close to that type of moment. And I will say, and I say this with no happiness. Uh, I say this almost in sort of anticipatory fear that if Donald Trump wins re-election, we are going to see 1968 in pretty much a dozen yeah. major American cities. Uh, so. I think that is that is inevitable. The the his opposition is so dedicated to the idea that this guy is some kind of Marvel comic uh, villain, you know, Earth destroyer, uh, and they have so invested themselves in his destruction and removal that they simply cannot cannot accept the idea that he could possibly. They can't accept that he won the first time. They will not right. accept that he wins again. And so I think you well, will see. You will see major social upheaval uh, if that happens. This is going to sound weird. I don't want it to be major. I don't want it to be major social upheaval. Of course, I not. think Biden is is he's out of it. I I don't think he's been cognizant of what's going on in his life for a long time, if ever. And I don't believe he would make a good president. But for national unity. I just feel like the, the Republican side is more willing to accept a Democratic president than the Democratic side is willing to accept a Republican president, especially this one. I don't want to see us burn because people can't accept an election result. You know, I, I feel like when Hillary lost, all things were set up simply to to divide this country further and 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 give them, you know, oil and gas to put on the fire of why we couldn't possibly have lost. So it, there, there obviously was a conspiracy to destroy us. So we have to fight back even harder, the resistance, that kind of stuff. I, I don't understand it because as you said, and we've said many times in 2008, I didn't riot in the streets when Obama won in 2012. I didn't riot in the streets when Obama won. Why is it in 2016 when Trump wins, you need to, did you at least riot in your yourself. backyard? 
I didn't ride anywhere. I said, oh, did you threaten? Did you threaten to move to Canada, though? I did not. I never threatened to move to Canada because I like maple syrup, but I am not a fan of gravy on my fries. I'm not a big fan your, of that. So treats. Yeah, you're well, you're uh putang. I, I'm not right. big, I'm not a big fan of that stuff. So what I don't like hockey? soggy fries. That that but the point is if if you don't want to be here, you want to move to Canada, then move to Canada, move to Australia, move to France. I don't care where you move, but if, if you want to be here, then be here and, and, and accept that you're not gonna win every election and your idea isn't always right. And even if you think it is, even if it is right, it doesn't mean you always win. You can well, have the right idea and the wrong. I've said this uh, I mean, I've said this before. The irony of this is that Donald Trump was accused uh, by Hillary and others when he made some comment during the primaries that this man is not going to accept the results of a free and fair election. He he is eroding the pillars of our republic. Right. I remembered that constant refrain. And yet and I think this has been true now for quite some time. Um, it is his opponents who have demonstrated they have no intention anymore of accepting the results of elections that do not go the way that they want. They refuse yep. to accept Hillary's loss. I mean, this was going on even back as far as Al Gore. They simply have decided that unless we can be in power, we will not accept any result that does not permit that, does not provide us with what we want. And so if it requires eliminating the electoral college, if it requires changing the rules for the Senate, if it requires concocting three-year fantasies about Russians in the cupboards, whatever, if it requires another round of impeachment, we are going to do whatever is necessary, up to and including, as we have now seen, rioting in the streets uh, unless we get our way. And that cannot lead to anything good. Do you think it's because they are so... uh they crave power so much or is it because they truly think they're right or is it both i mean is it, you can't al gore couldn't fathom while the people of florida may not have chosen him and the rest of the country didn't understand i invented the internet and i did all this i mean did he believe that people couldn't possibly have chosen somebody else because i'm right how can you possibly have chosen anybody but me or hillary the same thing had Obama lost, Obama lost the second term to Mitt Romney, which at this point seems ludicrous. But again, marching at the Black Lives Matter and being praised a hero when in 2012 he was vilified. Same guy, same guy, <laughs> you know. But is it a power power grab or is it they believe they're right no matter what? Well, they, they believe not only that they're right, they believe that their opponents are evil. Yes. Uh, now there's also, look, there, there's also that on the right as well. I mean, yes. you know, there were people that were obsessed with Obama the same way uh, that our friend and many others are obsessed with Trump, although um, yeah. it was certainly not as widespread, but it's not just that they, they think they're right. They think that they're entitled to rule. They think that if they are not in power, uh, then it can't possibly be because their policies were rejected. Because again, if you're on the right side of history, then your policies can't be wrong. And the people yeah. that oppose those policies can't simply be misguided, can't simply have good faith differences of opinion as it relates to means, to achieving perhaps similar ends. No, no, they're Visigoths, they're Nazis, uh, they are haters, and they must be politically destroyed. 
And so when you have adopted that worldview, which also says that if you don't accept what we have to offer, again, you're either evil or you just don't understand your own interests because the central planners are the ones that need to instruct you. Oh, you don't like our, you don't like Obamacare? Well, that's just because you're too stupid to understand your own uh, kitchen table balance sheet, right? You hear this all the time. They have a fundamental condescension towards anyone who they perceive as, uh, you know, not like them, not holding all of the same beliefs, and they really don't want to hear from you. They prefer that you be quiet and accept their benign and benevolent rule, and things will go much better. And any system that does not allow them to have that, uh, they will try to tear down, and that's what we're seeing. And, and that's that's the sad part for me, that there, there's crazy people on both sides who uh, I'm afraid will escalate things uh, past where they should be. And, and I, I, I'm not telling everybody to go home, but I really wish they get back to trying to improve their communities. And I, I, I think back to what has been the policy for the most part of the United States over the last several decades. You don't negotiate with terrorists because when you negotiate with terrorists, they feel they show your weakness and therefore they ask for more and they keep pushing. They keep doing the things that got you to talk to them in the first place. So you give in to these people and you let them, the mob rule. At what point do they say? They're never, oh, well, that's true. They're never, they're more. never appeased. There is no, no appeasing them. You, and that's the problem. Will, they will simply move on to the next target. It will never be sufficient. There will never be a time when they say we are now placated. Now that yeah. you've adopted all of our demands, right. Including providing us with, a lifetime supply of coffee, right? Um, like Kramer. Um, th- there will never be a moment when they say, we agree, we are satisfied. Uh, there has been enough change. Not that the, no, no, th- that's not the game. The minute you capitulate, the uh, goalposts are moved again and they demand more. That's just the way it works. I did see a tweet that, today that the uh, Seattle Autonomous Zone, whatever else they're calling it, uh, had given a, all the, Food had been taken by the homeless people, and they wanted people to bring them soy and tofu and rolled oats because they had no food to eat. Right, all of those pesky problems that come with running your independent uh, nation. Yeah, like feed. Yeah, bring that food from that, you know, supremacist uh, grocery store so we can eat. I wonder um, what they would have done if they brought them bags of Arby's. Ooh, probably not. <laughs> I don't think that's a group if, that wants to meet. If the members of the autonomous zone were starving, would they allow Ving Rames, <laughs> Ving Rames to deliver them a, we have no. the meats uh, no. value pack from Arby's or would they simply waste away unto death uh, standing on principle? I, I do not know the answer. And I wonder if Ving Rames is actually vegetarian or not. It'd be, I would you know. wager. Absolutely. <laughs> no. <laughs> no idea. Not a clue. I'm just speculating. I would bet a large sum of money that he is not. Uh, if, if anybody knows Ving Rhames or knows for sure, please let us know. <laughs> I just like to know because <laughs> it always. Yeah. Maybe always that was does. in, maybe that was in a back issue of us magazine or something. I have no, I, I'm not suggesting he is. I just think it would be ironic if he was, <laughs> after he's promoting uh, Arby's for so long. Uh, I, that's all I got. Uh, we didn't solve the world's problems, but I, I do think we are clearly divided and I don't know where we come out on the other side of this. And I think it just keeps getting fueled every day uh, by both sides. Um, I don't think either side is trying to 
uh, ratchet anything down. I think they just keep pushing. Um, I think this would be a great time for Donald Trump to um, get off Twitter, frankly. And I, I, and I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that would be an awesome thing if he did. Um, and I don't know if that would change anything, but it certainly would give them less fodder to uh, attack him yep. and attack the country. So, all right. Do you have anything else, Ed? I do not. Okay. Thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.